Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And this morning I have a very special guest on. So if you would do me a favor, share this out right now, share it out with all of your friends across all your social media platforms, and we will see you in just a minute. And we are back. And you know what? I didn't even ask this nice young lady how to pronounce her last name. So I'm going to go with Alexa and she can tell us how to pronounce her name. Here we go. Let me bring Alexa on. Good morning, Alexa. Good morning. Good morning. I would actually love to see you try and see and see how you do. <laughs> I'm going to go with um, Augustino. Very close. Very Diagostino. You were Agostino. So, you were ah. so close. I'm very, I'm very impressed though. I have to say very impressed. Oh, <laughs> well, Hey, I've done this a few times, but I've never said that last name. It's very unique. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Is well, that, thank you for what, having me. Is that a, is that, is that a click funnels award behind you? It is. It is one yeah. of eight of our awards. So we have eight of them. Um, and well so this done. is just one, cause I think it's a, a little obnoxious to hang eight. So <laughs> I just, I just hung one. So, but I'm waiting for that three comma. So we're getting there. We're almost there. That's so. awesome. I'm friends with Robbie Summers. He's a great guy. The VP of yeah. Click Fun, VP of sales. Yep. Um, so, so Alexa, um, I had to mute my device on my desk because it would have been going off throughout this entire interview. <laughs> we actually have a rule when you're hired. So we have a whole onboarding <laughs> and there's a whole video on how to change the name of your Amazon to Echo. Yeah. So <laughs> we actually have an entire part of our onboarding. Like if you're going to work for me, you've got to change the name. It cannot be Alexa. <laughs> that is so funny. So so um, we were introduced by our mutual buddy, Joe Ingram. And um, so thank you, Joe, for, for all oh, look, there he is. Love me some there Alexa. Is Mr. So, Joe. So I started this show about four years ago. I've interviewed around 450 celebrities and entrepreneurs. And um, I, I've heard some amazing stories and I, I can't wait to hear yours. I know it's rather impressive. So um, why don't we start with where you were born and raised? Yeah. So I was born in New York um, and raised in New York. I've actually never lived anywhere else. Um, you know, we have we bought property in Charleston about 10 years ago. So uh, probably not until five years ago, we really started to pretty much split time. But for the most part, I'm born and raised in New York. I've spent a majority of my life in New York. And we're now moving to Florida. So it's going to be a, a whole new experience um, and a lot of tax savings. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. Florida's, um, there's a lot of people in New York moving to Florida. <laughs> new York is just getting too expensive. Um, yeah. It is just, it is so expensive right now. So that's awesome. Look, everybody's like funny, Alexa. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I love this because I, 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 a lot of times during a live stream, I'll, I'll say something to her, ask her something to repeat to everybody when I'm live streaming, and and, and everybody's goes off that's listening. They're like, "You just set off my Alexa." <laughs> so, so you are. Um, you were born and, and raised in New York, like I'm assuming upstate somewhere or right outside the city. So Westchester oh. County. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So right outside the city. So you're, you're almost a city girl then. So yeah. I, I live in the most the... expensive County in the nation Is it really? <laughs> right now. Yeah. It's top 10. Um, and it goes between one and three, but oh. last year it was top one. 
And then I think we might be two or three this year, but yeah, it's, it's insane here. I mean, you can't get like a three bedroom house for under a million here. It's yeah. Condos, a two bedroom condos going for about 500. I mean, we just, we have a townhouse. We just literally sold it for over a million. Like it's crazy. The real estate here is just, you can't live. It's crazy. Wow. Um, we were going to buy gaps? a house just to put in perspective, the house we bought in Florida would be yeah. about $4 million here. And the, real estate tax would be 80 to 120,000 a year. Oh my God. That's the equivalent. Oh it's crazy. That's insane. That seems, um, communistic. Yeah. <laughs> we probably shouldn't it, go there. It is too bad Cause it's a beautiful area. It's, I'm it's sure. so nice. It's so diverse. And yeah. like, there's just so many, I'm, I'm Hispanic. So my, my family's from Cuba. So I, I love the fact that my daughter right now is, is able to grow up around everybody. I mean, we have everything here. Um, it's so diverse. It's beautiful, but it's just, it's too expensive. That's crazy. That's too bad. Like my wife, my wife's on here. She said, that's too bad. It's very sad that, um, I, you know, and the, I don't think they think too far ahead because people will just eventually leave and go, you know what? Yeah. I'm done with you. And I'm, I'm actually worried. I'm What's worried that? about New York. Yeah. I'm worried about New York. I really am. Yeah. People, there's a mass exodus occurring there. I, I think yeah. it's crazy. So, so what was it like for you though, growing up and going to school? I'm assuming, well, I know you graduated cause you have a PhD. Um, so what was it, what was it like for you though, growing up there as a kid? Yeah. Um, so everyone in my family was an entrepreneur because when they came to America, they couldn't speak English. So they had no they had no choice but to hustle. Yeah. And I mean, we had a painting business and moving business. I mean, you name the business and my family started it. And um, so growing up, it was very entrepreneurial. And I saw everything. I saw my parents, you know, succeed in businesses, go bankrupt in businesses, make mistakes, do really well, start and and create awesome new businesses. Like, so you name it. And I saw it. And the, the difference, and I always say, I was um, that eight-year-old that was like trying to make money and figuring out how to sell ice cream. And I'd buy like a, a $2 tub of ice cream and then sell scoops for $2 and make, you know, $14 out of it and a $12 profit. Like, then I was like, add a dollar for sprinkles. I was that kid. Um, and I, I was always getting in, I was always getting in trouble. I, when I was 12, I started a book, um, a, a book business. And what I would do is I'd go to the book fairs and I go, ma, can I have $20? I'm going to the book fair. And my mom would be like, Oh my God, she's, she wants to buy books at the book fair. And then I go to my dad, dad, can I have $20. I'm going to the book fair. And he's like, Oh, like, and I would never, they didn't know they both were giving me 20. So I'd have 40 bucks. I go to book fair and I'd buy out all the popular books. They were like 50 cents a dollar at the time. Yeah. I'd buy them all out and wipe them out and then resell them like a week or two later at lunchtime to the kids for like twice, two, three X. Wow. So I got in a lot of trouble, but, um, That's awesome. but you know, so I was always an entrepreneurial kid and our dinner table conversations was, you know, my dad was actually, um, at one point he was the man, he was the VP of manufacturing for all of IBM. So he actually managed all of the manufacturing plants worldwide. Wow. He was, um, the project manager on the first microchip, which we actually have, we actually have it in a plaque, which is pretty cool. Um, wow. probably worth a lot of money. Um, and, uh, and so we would come home and my dad, you know, he, at one point he had thousands of employees. And so he would come home and he would say, Alexa, all right, you know, we're going through layoffs. I have to lay off 150 people, but I have 2000 employees. How do I determine? Let's sit down. And, and I'd be like 15 years old, you know, and um, and he'd be coming home with these massive problems. Right. So even the um, the micro microchips, when they created like the second or third version, he was like, all right we have to now shrink this down and we would talk about the tech of it. And so these were like our di dining room wow. dinner conversations. So it was not a normal childhood whatsoever. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, but that's how I got started and why I started my first business at 18. I, you know, I, I didn't know anything better, you know, that is that you just gave me like, I now know why you're so successful at everything that you've done. I mean, that's it, right? You were programmed to be <laughs> like an adverse. I also saw maybe. hard work, you know, and it's yeah. like, 
you know, I go through this and I, if for parents that are listening, so I would love to see in the comments, like whose parents, cause you'll resonate with this. You know, I go back and forth. I have a two-year-old and I, you know, struggle sometimes with how much I work. And then I go back and forth. I'm like, well, you know, she's seeing me hustle. She's seeing me work hard. And then the other side of me is like, she wants my nanny more than me. But then I go back to my childhood and like, I barely saw my parents. I was in second grade coming home to an empty house, making myself macaroni and cheese. And, you know, I turned out pretty good. And so I, I keep reminding myself, I'm like my child, my daughter, she's seeing me work hard. And when I'm with her, I give her my attention and it might yep. not be, you know, full time, eight, 10 hours a day, but the two to three hours I do spend with her, I make sure I'm attentive to her, but she's seeing me work hard. And that's, you know, growing up, I saw both of my parents work their butts off. Um, yeah. And honestly, that's why I'm successful. You know, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll put some comments up, but I, you know, our, our 12 year old daughter a few years ago, she, she said, I want to start a business. <laughs> I'm like, okay, at nine I years old, it. I said, well, what do you want to do? And she goes, well, how about I sell lemonade? <laughs> and so we, love it. we, we talked through, you know, strategy of where she should set it up, not at the end of our cul-de-sac, but out on the main road, like where all and and she made two hundred dollars in two hours. And I and Man, she maybe there. I should hire her. <laughs> I know, right? She's spinning signs, doing gymnastics and backflips, and all and people are stopping. She's I have a couple of positions, police. Ken. I'm ready to hire her. <laughs> I, I know, really love but, I love young talent. I, I'm so not kidding. I. I really do. I I part of why I started coaching was because um, I loved mentoring young employees and I sold my, this was my fourth exit when I was 24 years old. I had a, a pretty massive eight figure business, had no idea what I was doing. Wow. I was a terrible leader. Cause I just, I had no idea. Right. I didn't see, I didn't have a coach at the time. I didn't, it wasn't really a thing back then, to be honest, or right. that I knew not as popular as is now. And I kind of was lost. And one of the things that I found is I went to go get my PhD and I fell in love with teaching. And I fell in love with these young, like motivated kids who wanted to be entrepreneurs. And I felt like the system in higher ed wasn't really teaching them what they really needed to, to learn. So I started mentoring young kids on how to be entrepreneurs. And so my wife and I, we actually fully fund eight students a year, low income, Hispanic. Um, you know, most of them are, are females, but we have a couple males that want to be entrepreneurs. And part of it is I don't pay your tuition bill unless you meet with me every week. Like that's the deal. Um, and awesome. I mentor them and a couple of them, I have one kid who literally has a multi six figure business and he's 19, you know? So like, it's, uh, it's, it really motivates me to see these young kids like your daughter, um, yeah. start because it's skills that are just you, even if they go into a nine to five later, the skills you learn being your own boss and being an entrepreneur at a young age. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't really learn that in school. You can't. And I, you know, I think uh, who was it? Um, Shakespeare, somebody way smarter than me said um, the greatest disservice we do to our children is to steal away their hunger. And and I keep that in the back of my mind. Every time my daughter asks for something, I'm like, how are you going to earn it? You have to earn it. Like, you know, you got to work for it. I'm not giving it to you. And And, you know, I think that that is something that that parents and I get it. I mean, I, I trust me, I want to give her everything, but I want her to understand that she has to work for it. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. And I look at my childhood and that's what my parents did. I mean, I bought everything, including my first car at 17. It was an $18,000 car and I bought wow. it myself. And I bought my first laptop, my MacBook, which is actually how I got started. When I was 14. I took my communion money and I bought my first MacBook all by myself, taught myself how to do web design. And, um, you know, my, when I was younger, my parents would buy me computers, but do you want to know what my dad used to do? He would bring home broken computers and tell me to figure out how to fix them. So then I would be like ordering motherboards and, <laughs> and all this stuff. And I learned how to piece computers together. Like that, this is how my parents taught me. You go, oh. Hey, here's a, a dingy computer, figure out how to fix it. And then they wouldn't actually buy me any software. They said, figure it out. So then I kind of did the opposite of what they probably thought I was going to do. And I figured out how to hack and I 
figured out how to download all the software for free. I'm so glad I did not get arrested, guys. I was like 13. Give me a break. But so I ended up, that's how I started coding because I start, started figuring out how to hack into things and code things. And, um, wow. you know, so it is these little things, these little lessons, these little tough loves that yeah. really teach you and shape you. Right. It's true. And I think the bigger, I don't know about you, but I know there's been this little chip on my shoulder my entire life about when, it, and that's why I just won't like, there may be smarter people, but it's going to be tough to outwork me. Cause I will, I, I just won't give up like no matter what. And it sounds like you're like that too. And it's, it's kind of, and I don't know if you have the same issue, Ken. So we have a coaching business done with you in a, a, a agency, which I just started again and yeah. it done for, uh, for you, which yeah. I didn't promise myself I would never start another agency, but then I had just so much business sitting on my lap. I was like, all right, I might as well start it, but I'm going to do yeah. it differently this time. And I did, I, I did it way, way differently than the first. But what I find is when we're hiring employees, I go so fast and I hear things like, well, nobody runs as fast as you, Alexa. Nobody's yeah. as quick as you. Nobody, you know, like, and, and so that's part of, I have to, as a leader, sometimes come down because we're almost so fast and so quick that we have to align our expectation of our team because then they're going to burn out. So I struggle sometimes with that. And I try to manage because Sometimes I'm just like, all right, I can get this done in 30 minutes. I'll just do it myself at this point um, if it's not done. And that's not always the right approach. So I think no. I agree with you. I think it is nobody's going to ever out hustle me, but it's hard to find employees that have that same attitude. Um, and it doesn't mean <laughs> they're not it doesn't mean they're not working hard. They do work hard, but they work hard in their own mind, like yeah. not at, not the expectation that we would have, if that makes sense. It's the, it's literally, we're talking about the, the biggest pain I have. I used to have 10 employees in my agency and I had, you know, but it, it, oh, the drama, <laughs> I, just, I don't even know how else to put it like the drama. And I just like, if I just do it myself, I, it gets done. It gets done right. The first time I don't have to, you know, and so that's one of my, and it, and it comes down to what we're going to talk about. And I think that you obviously you're good at um, putting processes in place. And, and I know you've exited several companies and, and done well. But, you know, let's let's go back to 18. You see, we went past that kind of fast. You said you started your first business at 18, which isn't necessarily true because it sounds like you may have started way before that, but, but official but, business, I'll, I'll right. say official business, right? Right. Where you're not pirating software. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually a pretty funny story. Um, how I got started. So, uh, yeah, I hear um, I was going into college. So I was going to pace and, um, I, I, I love seeing me so big. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, here. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, I need some extra cash. I'm in college. Like I, I was actually, it was actually the senior year of my high school. Um, and I was like, okay, I want to save money for college and start saving some. And I had some other stuff happening and going on and I was yeah. doing some uh, stuff around for my parents and stuff, but I really want to make my own money. So I literally put up an ad on Craigslist and this was before Craigslist was really creepy. And I said, um, I will do your website for $300. And this lady approached me and she was like, Oh, I would love for you to do my website. I'm like, Oh crap. Now I got to learn how to do websites. Um, I'm like, all right. So I'm like, I'm figuring out, like, I kind of knew how to do it. I, I did my own website, but I've never done somebody else's. I'm like, all right, I got to figure this out real quick. And long story short, she ended up not only loving the site, but it found, it figures out that her husband was like the mayor of all of Westchester. So I ended up getting pulled into government work, uh, referred to like mega big businesses. And like, it kind of was like a stroke of luck, but I also like, I did whatever it took to make this website successful. And I, and I've carried that through the rest of my career. Like nothing goes out unless it's excellent. Um, but I do it fast and I'm also not a perfectionist. I'm, I'm a big believer, get to 80% and then fix the 20% as you go. Yeah. Um, cause it's normally the last 20% that slows you down. So we have a, a, something that we live by called marketing by modification, which is put it out, speed of implementation, execute quickly, modify as you go, um, and then test and then repeat. And, um, and so I ended up building this big business uh, by accident, actually. It was not really meant to be a big business. And I ended up 
through networking and referrals, building a pretty massive business. And a few of my clients, one was a CIO of Morgan Stanley. One was um, the CEO of one of the biggest Wi-Fi installers in the world. So they actually are uh, Google and Amazon's number one Wi-Fi installer. So if you go to any like public, like Bryant Park or any of the parks in Chicago or California, the Wi-Fi that is all in the public, like the massive public cities is done by them. They're like a almost a billion dollar company. Wow. Um, I had built the entire brand from scratch when they just started. And he, he brought me into some of his businesses. And what was happening is some of my smaller clients that were becoming big were like, hey, do you want to join us and come in as equity partners? And that's how I got my first three exits. So we sold to Cantor Fitzgerald. We sold to AAU Basketball. And we sold to Elucian, which is one of the top ed tech uh, wow. uh, for education. And so it kind of just, I kind of just fell into it because people liked working with me. And I did a good job. I hustled. I did good work. Um, and I'm, I'm a positive person. I'm, I'm, I'm okay to be around, I guess, you know, but, um, and that's really how my business launched. And so before I sold my agency, I had three exits before I was 23 years old. Um, and so some of it was stroke of luck and getting in front of the right people and saying the right things. And, um, but it was really just straight hustle relationships to me, building a business is 110% relationships. That's what it is. Um, wow. and it's how I built every one of my businesses. So, 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 so true. I, I <clears throat> wow. Um, I, I hope people are taking notes because this is, this is absolutely so valuable. So with, with the, um, I, I don't even know where to start. Like you, you, you ran an <laughs> ad on Craigslist. I remember I've, I've been building websites for 28 years. I've been in web development and marketing. And um, since 94, I built my first hard coded, my first website in 94. And um, I can remember too, the very, and I was thrown into the deep end. It was a Mercedes Benz dealership. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I that's don't know cool, what though. to do. Oh God, yeah. no! They said yes. You figured it out when your back is against the wall. I think that's the lesson here, everyone. That it's like is. if you want. I love takeaways, right? So in your notebook, put like little like check boxes next to everything, so it becomes a to do list. Don't write notes. Put to dos down of what you're going to do. Like wow. most people are scared to just get started, and the bottom line is, is I had no idea, but I knew more than she did, and that's that's the point. I might yeah. not have been an expert, but I knew more than this artist did. So just get started. If you have even a slight expertise, just start putting yourself out there, even if you charge nothing in the beginning, and just get out there and start doing it and slowly increase your price, slowly increase what you're doing. And the next thing you know, you're going to have a $200 million business, right? I, it's so true. I, I, <laughs> How how many times God, I'm getting way ahead in the interview, but how how often do you see that that um and I talk about this a lot too, Alexa? I think that that you know you you've have you ever walked through a store and on an end cap you see like that that was my idea, that product sitting there, right? Uh have Snapchat. Snapchat was, so I had a client who came and we actually ended up suing Snapchat. That's a whole other, we won't have to go into that, but we actually created Snapchat before Snapchat came out. It was called Glimpse It. And the problem was, is it was like about two years before the app development store was open. So we developed Glimpse It on the web and it was working really well, but here's, here's a really important tip. We were not ahead of the trend. And Snapchat came out with the app before we did, kind of ripped off our idea. There's no proof that they even knew we existed. However, there was a lot of similarities to it. Um, wow. And we did end up, yeah, so it, we ended up settling. But um, but the we didn't stay ahead of the trend. And that's like, if you're going to launch something, you have to stay ahead of the curve. And the problem is sometimes we, we don't try to be innovative after we launch something. And remember, the work starts when you launch. That's not when it ends. And so that honestly was, I was like 22 years old, probably the biggest mistake I ever made 
Um, maybe the second biggest mistake. The first mistake was selling our patent to Cantor Fitzgerald for way less. It's worth billions now. So we screwed that up. But besides the point, I mean, I was 20 years old, a couple million dollars sounded nice. But now I'm like, it's worth billions. I'm like, okay, I, I really suck. What uh, was the again, patent on? Um, so, you know, when you go into casinos and you see the iPads and they have raffling, that patent was mine. <laughs> they have what? They have they they have raffling on the iPads when you go to casinos. Yeah. So that there's a patent there because there's a whole logic behind because um, even down to the zip code, the laws are different for raffling, online raffling. So that patent is ours. Um, and it's like worth billions now. But but anyway, it is what it is. That's a, that's the second lesson is is learn how to negotiate and never exit fully. Always keep a small percentage. I we should have negotiated keeping two to five percent for life idiots. But anyway, it, you learn these things, right? You learn, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, I think that the, the most important thing to me is understanding that you got to start somewhere and you've got to learn. And for me, when, I mean, we coach hundreds of students. I mean, our, our coaching program, we have an 80% retention rate, which is unheard of in the industry. Wow. Industry standards, like 30%. And honestly, most of the 20%, we just don't invite them back. Um, and what I find with students, like I have one student who came, she had the skills, she had, you know, $125,000 business. Um, but she was getting in her own way and she, she didn't have the skills to build a six figure business is very different than a seven figure business. And she had the skills to roll up her sleeves and build a six figure business, but she didn't have the business skills. She, she was a technician. She was, she was not a, a leader. She was not a business owner. She was not a seven, eight figure business owner. She was a technician. She was good at doing her job. But once you hit six figures, you have to learn how to run a business. Yep. And so now within 12 months, she's about to probably next week hit seven figures. That's and so, awesome. so she went from 125 to hitting a million and we're in June. Imagine where she's going to be in December. Okay. She could hit 1.52 million. And this isn't a difference of 12 months. And it was just learning the skills. So yeah. you just got to get started, get started and grunt through zero to six figures is honestly the hardest part. It's the hardest part. It, it is. Really is. It really is. I, I, <clears throat> I remember, I, I mean, it is, and I don't, I don't want to talk about me anymore. Um, I, you know, <laughs> there's just so many things you're saying that are bringing up, like, I, I don't, I don't understand people who don't take action and, and I know they're smart enough. I know they have the, the funds to back it. I know, and which I never had, I, I, somebody loaned me $20 when I started my business, but you know, I, I know that they have all of the abilities. What do you think it keeps people? And I mean, it's fear, I think is, is, is the most popular answer, but I, I think it's more than that. What do you, what it's, do you think is. is is holding people yeah. back from taking that action and opening a business, starting a business? So I, I, that's I, I feel like there's a two part answer here, right? I think there's what stops people from starting a business, and then what prevents them from actually succeeding. I mean, the stats are staggering: two percent succeed yeah. after ten years. I mean, it's it's not a high percentage, and I could tell you exactly why. But why people stop, um, start, I think people get comfortable with having a paycheck, right? Mm, but at the end of the yep. day, unless you're an entrepreneur, now this is another thing. I think actually being an entrepreneur is underrated. And to be honest with you, if I, I hate reporting to people, I'm going to be honest with you. So I could, I'm never a good employee because I just want to make decisions. I hate red tape. Like I make a thousand decisions a day like this and I can't sit yeah. and have to ask somebody else. Like I have, no. to, I can't do it. I I'm tried it like for a little bit. I, I work for um, Catterton Partners as a fractional CMO. We flipped an asset from 50 to 120 million in 12 months. Um, and, you know, it was great. I had owned a percent of it, blah, blah, blah. It was great, but it was like the worst 12 months of my life for many reasons. Um, and then I went back to being an entrepreneur. I'm like, this was a great experience. I learned a lot. Never want to do it again. Um, so if you're, if you're okay, not being at the top and there's a lot of pros, not being at the top one, there's a lot of pressure Two, you have to make a lot of decisions. Um, and three, like you're taking all the risk being yep. an entrepreneur. So like, for example, I brought on three partners, I'm the CEO, but they have equity in my company. 
So they're just as motivated as I am to build this thing, but they don't have the pressure uh, that I have because they they all have paychecks, but yet they have equity. So they there's upside there and they have accountability to be innovative and they have the opportunity to almost be an entrepreneur within another organization. So I think, you know, sometimes though people are, um, they get stuck in these nine to five jobs and they'll make 80,000, a hundred thousand, maybe 150 if you're lucky. Um, yeah. and they just are in the rut. And the, the reality is it's not hard to make $80,000 on your own. If you know what you're doing and you have the roadmap to do it, it's actually quite easy. Um, but we get scared. We like the consistency of a paycheck and it's hard to hold yourself accountable when you're so used to a boss saying, do this, do that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a large reason. I think people are scared because yeah. they like the, the comfort of it, but they don't understand that there's two other options. One being an entrepreneur and learn the skills and make a hell lot more money. Um, yeah. or two being an entrepreneur and be a part of building something and get equity in it. That's honestly how I made most of my money is, is, joining uh, my client's projects and gaining equity in it. That's, wow. you know, that's, that's awesome. You know, I look at, at people like I'm friends with Grant Cardone and I look at his team and, and they're it's, it's, he's built a cult almost <laughs> like his team is huge too. And I think, how does he do that? Because I can't, I don't have, and, and I wonder about you, um, uh, I, I hate excuses and, and like they, so many of them too. Oh my gosh. And, and I, so like when, when something, I have that mentality of, you know what, don't worry about it. I'll do it myself. I got it. And, and now I've got somebody on, on the clock or what that that's sitting there. Like, and I know I made them feel like crap about themselves too, but like, I just, do you experience that yourself? All the time. I mean, it's, it's, I, I experienced two things. So one, I, I'm pretty chill. Like I'm a pretty chill boss unless like something keeps happening over and over again. Right. Um, and when people are really slow and I've told them, Hey, this has to happen in 12 hours or 24 right. hours. And then it doesn't happen or things fall through the cracks. Like those are the things that drive me crazy. Uh, mistakes happen. I don't like, I don't get mad at mistakes. I get mis I get upset when things are not done correctly. Um, and it's over and over and over again, repeat mistakes or just things fall through the cracks. Those are my two pet peeves. Um, and you know, I've heard crazy excuses like, oh, well, I need an assistant. Well, you're what you can't even do your job. Right. Well, like you, and you need an assistant. Like, so I've heard like crazy things. Oh, you know, my, my dog ate my paper kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, no, he did not. Your dog does not <laughs> like paper. Um, right. so yeah, excuses drive me crazy, but I also think as employees, they're so zoomed in and they want money now, 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 where a perfect example is my business partner, Susie. She said it perfectly the other day. Um, we have a lot of employees who are diehard, like super, super diehard. They all think I'm like the new woman, Tony Robbins, which I don't think I am, but they're like, yes, you're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to beat Tony. I'm like, nobody's beating Tony, but okay. Like, right. I love your, I'm like, all right, keep going. Keep thinking that that's cool. Right. Um, and, and I'm flattered, right? It's, it's great that they think that, but then I have some employees who are just like, when am I getting a raise? What am I getting a raise? When am I getting a raise? And guess what? The employees that are behind me and don't ask for anything, get it. Right. And so my business partner, Susie, um, we were on the phone with, the, with somebody and she said, I, I didn't care what the hell Alexa paid me the first 12 months I worked for her because I knew I wanted to be business partners with her and I needed to prove myself to her. And now I own 25% of her company. That should show you something. And like when you went from basically she started as a client and then yeah. worked her way to build my trust. She worked for me, like uh, not free, but pretty inexpensive. And she's a high level, like she's charging a thousand dollars an hour, basically worked for me for like really inexpensive for yeah. 12 months. And I, in February, I gave her 25% of my empire. Wow. And I said, I want you to come on as a business partner. So, I mean, now she's what she's, she got, she's getting a bonus for over 10 grand, just, just as a bonus, just for June. <laughs> like, right. So that's just her bonus. That's not her salary. That's not yeah. her fees. That's literally just her June bonus. Right. Um, awesome. And, um, and so people sometimes are so zoomed in when they're working for somebody else that they don't see the opportunities and they don't see what it could be. If you zoom out a little bit, a little bit, 
like work on the relationship, put relationships before money. That's in anything you do because money will come. I I totally agree with you. Do you think that we, that there uh, is a sense of, of entitlement with a lot of people? Like they, (laughs) should we go there? Especially Gen Z. I I have, um, I I don't care now because he's not with us anymore, but I have an employer right now. It's like, like so entitled, like within three months wanted a raise. And then I'm like, all right, show, give me an example of something that you've done that generated money. Like, yeah, you're, you're good at what you do, but you're not, you're not seeing the bigger picture here. Like you're not seeing, like you're 22 years old. First off, like you, you have no experience. You knew nothing before you came in. And then it's like within three months, I want to raise, I want this, I want that. And it's just like, it's, it's crazy. Gen Z is driving me crazy right now because they all want raises. They all want to start at $75,000 a year with no experience. Um, And like, I work my butt to get to where I am. Like, I don't think people understand, um, even though you've been extremely successful, I'm sure there were times that you were like, holy crap, how, how are we going to eat this week? (laughs) You know, like, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, that's partly why I sold my business, Ken. Like I had 129 employees. That was the largest that we got. And I mean, I, I had a massive payroll, like a multi six figure a month payroll. I mean, even now we're, we're, we're hitting almost about a hundred thousand right now. And, and, uh, in our payroll right now. And we just started our company in November, by the way. Um, and you know, I think I have that now even still, like I I said to the team, I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, your bonuses is only going to be 10 K this month because I want to put money in the savings. We all agree with that. Like, cause I get worried that like, I got to have, and I hate taking like, um, uh, like loans and, you know, doing, um, extensions from the bank. I don't, I let, we don't believe in debt. Like we don't even have a mortgage. Our cars are paid in cash. Like we do not like debt at all. So I refuse to ever borrow money if I need it. And even if it's 2%, no, like I'm going to make, I make my own insurance company, make my own, um, loan, you know, and loan money back to my own company. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's why I sold my company. I, I had a massive payroll and I felt like I was hustling and I did really well as a young entrepreneur, but there were so many things I did wrong. And that's why I think, and I actually did that, by the way, to somebody said, uh, put the lesson I did actually, in the fourth business I sold, I actually did negotiate getting equity in that company. So I did that right. And now it's worth 200 million and we own 8%, 10 year wow. vesting 1% each year. So at least I did that one right. So I learned my own lesson, but yeah, it's why I sold my business. It was so stressful to yes. make payroll and it, it was, but I did it wrong. I did it wrong. So there's a lot of lessons I learned. I think that's what a lot of um, a, a lot of people don't understand is <laughs> there are no participation trophies. I, I love this, Joe, for so many reasons. So thanks oh. for posting this because um, I, as a kid, I was an athlete. There was no participation awards. Like if I lost, I was in a bad mood for like a day. Cause I was like, all right, how do I win next time? Right now it's like, Oh, congratulations. So, um, we did like a, a little soccer thing for my two-year-old and they were like giving out participation awards. And I go to my wife, I'm like, we're not giving her that participation award. I'm like, I don't <laughs> care if this is what people do. She's, she's going to understand if she won and if she lost and like what she's going to fix to win. That's it. Like no participation award. It makes people too soft. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. I think that, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, you, you yes, I'm not going there. But I, I totally agree. I think that that I, Joe and I have sidebar conversations about this stuff all the time. But you know, I think um, I want to. I want to go back to. I know you at some point you went to college. You got a PhD. I mean, where where does that fit into the story? Because I haven't heard any of that. Yeah, I actually have five degrees. Um, what? I just don't talk about them. Yeah, I have. You, I have three you're, you're a bit degrees. of an underachiever. <laughs> um, so I I finished a, almost two years of college in high school. So when I started Jeez. college at eighteen, I just went all year round and actually graduated in a year and a half because I did winter sessions, summer sessions, and I was working. So I ended up just paying. I had a. I actually 
here's the crazy part. I had a full scholarship to play soccer, um, to go to, to UConn in Florida state. Um, I had 75% to go to UConn, um, and, uh, a hundred percent to go to Florida state, but, um, and my lung collapsed in 11th grade. I ended up losing all my scholarships Ended uh, up going to Pace university on a full ride there. And after one season I had started my business. So I was juggling school, soccer, and, um, and my business, I was like, I got to choose one. Like I am like on overload here. And, uh, I ended up actually turning down my full scholarship to play soccer. And I had a very small academic, um, scholarship. It was like 10 grand a year. Pace is really freaking expensive. So it barely covered anything, but, um, and, uh, because it was mostly soccer and I said, no, I'm just going to start my business. I'm going to pay my own way, paid my whole, um, undergrad myself. But then because I graduated so early, I was like, all right, let me go get a degree. Cause at the time my business really started more as an app and website development. So I was like, let me get a master's in internet technology. Um, and at the time I thought it would help now I'm like, it was kind of stupid, but, um, got an internet technology degree, but then I took some of those credits and got a cybersecurity masters. Cause then I started getting more into cybersecurity projects. Um, and that's when security started to become a big thing. Yeah. And then my business started to really blossom. I'm like, dude, I have no idea how to run a business. I should, I need to go get an MBA and learn how to run a business. Worst decision ever. Cause MBA does not teach you how to run a business, but did it anyway. Wow. Um, and then when I sold my business, that's when I went to go get my PhD. Cause I was like, I want to teach again, stupid decision. But anyway, now at least I can call myself a doctor, even though I don't, I don't even, I don't even, if you notice, I don't put doctor in front of anything. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it was an interesting Roller you know, I, I it's really impressive. I, I I didn't get a I didn't go to college. I didn't even finish high school. So I, I was like, your rules suck and I hate this place. I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so. honestly, like I gotta be honest. I my wife and I are talking. So I'm actually this one of the uh companies that I own. So I own equity in 17 different companies right now. One of them yeah. is I'm the CEO of a company called Aluna. We just got a $39 million evaluation. Um, we haven't even launched the thing yet, which is crazy. Um, we have literally signed contracts for like, you know, major school districts and we haven't even launched. It's pretty nuts. Um, and basically it's the Uber of tutoring. So you can, it, let's say even as a professional, you need help in Excel. You can literally click a button, find somebody immediately and be on for 10 minutes. It's a genius idea. That's and we brilliant. actually are creating something called Alunaversity as well, which is an online school, because here's what happens. You, you go to school and you're in a class of 30, 40 kids and the teacher can only go as fast as the slowest kid. And so our kids are a, like, I don't care that my daughter reads like, you know, uh, any of those books that they read. I don't think any of that helped most of the math besides the basic, like one plus one and algebra didn't really help me either. So we've actually really strongly considered homeschool. Um, because I mean, I feel like we could teach her better in a different curriculum. So I, yeah. I don't think, you know, not graduating high school or going to college, honestly, I think you could be just as successful, if not more, look how many successful people are out there. Um, now I do yeah. think education is important. Um, the foundations, the, you know, learning to present, learning yeah. to do team building exercises. There are parts of it that's important, but, um, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I I remember I had Brian Tracy on the show and and he's my hero. He changed my life 30 years ago. And I I, I want the reason he changed my life is is he was a high school dropout. And I I because I felt so insecure about it. And I'm like, oh my God, here's this really successful motivational speaker, sales trainer, and he's a high school dropout too. So but you, to you me, know, success is about hustle. Like that's it, it hustle is. and putting the right people around you. Tell me, my grandmother used to say all the time, tell me who you hang out with. I'll tell you who you are. Um, and it's also tell me who you hang out with and other people will tell you who you are too. Yep. But that's the most important thing. Just put the right people around your table and hustle. Like that's yep. what it is. It's why coaching is really important. You know, you need the right support and people behind you. Totally agree with you. What now? Do you have any um, currently any online courses that people could could take or um, and where well, I'm gonna I want to put your website up where people can find all the information about you too. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of websites, but um, yeah, so we have, uh, a, I don't really believe in online courses per se, because the percent of people that actually finish them is very low, but we very do low. have uh, an online coaching program that has one-to-one coaching, group coaching, a community and a course. Um, but the course is like, we're like walking you through it, like hand in yeah. hand. Yeah. And really we have three levels somebody that's super, super new, somebody that's trying to get from six to seven and somebody that's trying to go seven to eight or okay. high sixes to eight um, yeah. or a couple million. So we have three different programs uh, where we help people scale. We've helped hundreds of people at this point. We have so many testimonials and examples of, and pretty much almost every industry. Um, so it's, where, uh, where, what website should people go to, to, so that is passion to ceo.com. And passion I'll tell you the TO passion here i'll put it in the private chat and while i tell you the story behind why it's called passion to ceo um so my when i sold my business in 2014 i was so lost kevin like i was like what do i do what am i doing with my life um and i end up going to get my phd to teach and while i was teaching i i really fell into the passion of teaching but there's like no money as a professor you know like right. okay maybe for the average person but you don't go from like making a million dollars a year in a salary to like you know eighty thousand, hundred thousand, and being a professor like you don't make a lot of money and right. um so i ended up actually finding my passion and i remember um after I got out of the private equity, I was like miserable. It was 2019. It was December 24th. My father, who just passed away, actually, we were mm -hmm. sitting down at my sister's house. And I was like, I, I'm like, dad, I like, I suck. Like, what am, am I just miserable at everything I do? Like, I don't understand. And he was like, Alexa, you have a passion to help people, but you also have a passion to make money. So you have to find something that does both. He goes, why don't you start a coaching program? I'm like, dude, that's genius. Now talk about speed of implementation. I'm my first student at on December 28th. And then by January 10th, I had 12 students. Wow. So talk about just, you don't need anything fancy. And now we've had helped hundreds of people at this point. Um, and the funny thing is my dad actually ended up being so in love with what we did. He ended up joining as a, a business partner in it and really helped shape the whole program. And, um, I it's, I mean, we have an 80% retention rate. And That's again, so awesome. tw the 20%, most of them is, is people we don't invite back. I've only had a handful of people that haven't been successful. And most of the time it's because they don't listen or they just don't participate and do the work that they have to do. Yeah. Um, but 80% is insane. The industry standards 30. So it's a really good program. Um, and, uh, I love it. It's passion. So that's where the passion to CEO comes. You can love what you do and make money doing it too. So that's, that's incredible. I think, um, you know, first off, I'm sorry for the loss of your father. Um, that Thank sucks. You. It was um, it was hard, but I built a team around me, right? And so somebody yeah. actually asked, "How do you effectively effectively juggle all the business in which you are my involved?" Wife. That's um, my wife. And yeah. it's a great question, and it's it's also how my business didn't fall apart when my dad died, um, because I had a fantastic team, and I I work really hard to find good people, and I would say one in every four is a keeper. Um, but I ha I've had people that are still with me 15 years later and I do whatever it takes to keep those people cause they're loyal, um, and they're good employees. But the team, I, I went MIA for like six weeks. I was just, yeah. I was done. He, he was like my best friend besides my wife, um, and my business partner. I mean, we spoke five, six times a day and it was really, really hard and everybody supported. And that's the, that's the power of this community, this passion to CEO community. Like, honestly, all my students were, I mean, they all came to the funeral. They're all supportive. They all understood why I couldn't coach them for a couple of weeks. And everybody was just like, it was just incredible. And it just shows the power of being in a very supportive community. It's so important. It is there. I, <clears throat> I mean, I honestly, back in 2014, when I met Grant, for the first time I'd never even heard of him. Um, but I, he coached me for three hours one-on-one -on -one in his office. And, and he's like, you need to cut out all the, the bad negative people now. And yeah. I was like, I mean, I think I have a pretty good team. <laughs> you know, I was in denial and, and, and he's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, but I, I think I do. And he's like, no, you don't. And, and, and like, so I started picking people. I, I really, followed a process. And I can say today, 
that there is not what you just said. There is nothing, nothing in life more important than the people who are on your team surrounding you in your life, like in your inner circle. Doesn't even have to be part of your work team, just in your life. That's so important. So it's, important. It, it's literally, I think, one of the most important things, no matter what you do, entrepreneur, nine to five. And it's it's the difference of success and not, I think, because you you are the average of the five people you hang out with. And that includes your family, by the way. Yep. And so uh, one of the things that we always do with our students is every couple of months, we make everybody write all the people they are around a lot and add a plus or a minus and how they feel. How does this person make you feel? If you put a negative, then that says something to you. And, it, and it's how you will see a difference. I only surround myself with positive people. When I have people that are negative and dramatic, I fire them. Like I, I, can't, I can't deal with it. It's one of my biggest pet peeves because I'm a super positive person. So when somebody is like nasty or negative, boom, like out. I, I don't even deal with it. I don't even give you a chance to explain. If you create drama, see ya. I, I love it. So are you, what you're saying then is I need to get Joe out of my life. Yeah. That guy, <laughs> Joe, I don't know why you hang out with that guy. <laughs> oh, Alexa, you're amazing. I could literally sit here. I know you're incredibly busy. I've got other things here in a bit too, but I, I, what are, what are, I, I'm just going to, I like to be very transparent. So there was a time when my wife, my wife and I met 13 years ago, we decided it would be a great idea to open an office and bring employees on. So we did. And about six months into it, one of the guys working for me comes in my office and he says, Hey, there's a guy looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot. And I'm like, mm -hmm. dude, you're bigger than me. Tell him, get the hell out of here. And he's like, well, he, he has it blocked with a tow truck. And I was like, mm -hmm. Oh no. And, and I don't know. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I had a car repossessed in front of all of my employees mm -hmm. and it was the most humiliating day of my life. And for a moment, I thought, what's the point of all this bull crap? What everybody else is getting paid except for me. And, and I, my question is for the person who feels like they've tried everything that they, and they're barely hanging on, maybe they're they're not making money. Their electric's getting shut off. They're whatever. Like, what do you say to that entrepreneur, that person to help them get through to the next moment? Because we know it'll get better if you just keep pushing eventually. Um, but what what do you say to them to, to help them get through that moment? So a few, a few things, because that's a, a loaded question. But first is, I think the number one reason that separates successful people from not successful people yeah. is persistence, straight mm. persistence and not giving up. And that's why community is important. And there's free communities. You don't have to pay for communities. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is I, I live my life on 10% of what I make. And you look at my life and I have more money in the bank than I actually show. Right. And that comes from seeing like my wife's family who was, was very wealthy, lost everything. So my advice to you is when you do start making money, understand that you don't want to live above your means. All the people showing like Lamborghinis and this and that, like those people are renting those cars most of the time. Yep. And two, like that's not how you want to live your life. Um, so, you know, my wife and I finally just bought bought our dream home like now. And we've been in business 17 years. Um, yeah. we we've always lived way, way under our means. So I think it's two, it's two persistence, but one persistence, but two, be smart with your money. Don't overspend. Sometimes people make money and spend, 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 and you can't do that. Like you live life, but at the same time, you've got to be frugal in life. And especially now with what's happening in the economy and who knows what's going to happen. Like you got to be a little selfish. Sometimes I'm too nice. And sometimes I'm <laughs> constantly giving, giving, giving to other people over tipping and this and giving bonuses and that. And, and sometimes you've you got to be careful. Um, you know, that it's going to get, it's going to get gnarly out there in the next year or two. And you've got to, you've got to make sure to, you know, uh, like a squirrel, take all, take all of the nuts and, and save them because you never know what's going to happen. So always prepare for what's going to happen. Even if it doesn't happen, then you have it right. Yeah. So, 
It, that's the most important thing. And never stop prospecting either. Like one of the things that I've noticed is people people get comfortable when things are working. And then what happens is they're not proactive to when shit's going to hit the fan because it's going to hit the fan. Yep. And so the, I see this in my students all the time where this is why they fail is because they're, they're not preparing for the future. They're in the now and like, Oh, I have, I have plenty of money coming in now. Well, what happens if you lose two of them? Right. Um, yep. and we actually did a webinar where I talk about how I, um, I lost $50,000 and gained a million. Right. And it's, it's looking at the lessons that you can learn. So just be wow. persistent, um, save your money. It's not what you make. It's what you keep. That's going to help you in the future to never be in this position again. If you want to be financially secure, you have to learn how to manage your money. It's the number one skill set as a freaking human being that you yeah. need because you're in this position for a reason. So you have to look deep down and look in the mirror and say, why am I in this position? And how can I make sure it never happens again? Love that. Any books you recommend? I see right behind your head. The I, have a, I have quite quite a bit. I mean, I am obsessed, obviously, clearly with funnels. Like yeah. I'm obsessed. So any of the Russell Brunson books are really, really good. Yeah. Um, if you're really new, Start With Wise is a really good book as well. Um, but I mean, I, I have a ton of recommendations um, as yeah. well. So. Alexa, you're amazing. Thank you. I, I know you've got other things to run off to. If you could hang on, though, um, for me, I'm going to end the live stream here in a second. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience that's pressing right now? No, but if you guys want to hear more, I do have a podcast. Um, it's called Think Tank Millionaire Podcast. You can get it on Amazon, Spotify. Would love if you can go listen um, to me and my business partners. We talk about business and and real solutions to problems that we're dealing with every day. Um, so it's a great podcast. Episodes are 10 to 15 minutes. And we're going over real problems that we're having in our business and the solutions and talking through them. So um, it's uh, think tank millionaire podcast. So go wow. and listen and like it and share it. Bob asks real quick, how is your onboarding of key employees different than onboarding into your inner circle? That's a great question actually. Yeah, it is. Um, so I, I have somebody on my team, we call her the SOP queen because everything has to have an, a standard operating procedure, including onboarding. Um, <laughs> we, we actually onboard very, very similar, um, because, our onboarding for our coaching program is really, really intense. Like we have a whole onboarding process. I actually have a whole course for onboarding. Um, we also have a course for onboarding for employees as well. We actually use ClickFunnels. Um, and what we do is we have, we talk a lot about our values and our vision and our mission. Cause one of the number one things guys is you have to know where you're heading. If you're, if you're go heading to the beach, people need to know you're heading to the beach. It doesn't matter if it's the left side of the beach, the right side, but your employees have to know where you're heading, but so do your clients, because if they don't know where you're heading, how do you expect them to buy in? Cause buy-in is the number one skill set of a leader. You have to get buy-in mm -hmm. from people. And so, um, so we talk a lot in our onboarding about our vision, our mission, how we treat clients, how we respond to clients, tone, positivity. We spend a lot of time and we do that also in, in our clients as well. Um, and we make people sign off accountability. Here's what you're going to get. Here's what we're responsible for. Here's what you're responsible for. And we make people sign on the dotted line. And it literally says, I, boom, 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 meaning I'm going to do all this. And they sign for it. So it's. I think that's the number one thing you can do in anything you do, whatever service-based business you're in, um, for employees and for clients, make sure you set the expectation up front. Wow. Alexa D'Agostino. Did I do there it? You, go. you got it. Comma PhD. You are a <laughs> rock star. Holy crap. Thank you. This Everybody is so fun. Everybody watching has been blown away by you, by the way. So um, you're amazing. And I, I encourage everyone to go follow Alexa everywhere on social media. I'm sure you're not difficult to find, especially with that last name. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, go follow Alexa. Go to the podcast. My wife put it up a, a minute ago. There it is. Think Tank Millionaire Podcast. Go subscribe and give her a five-star rating. And Alexa, you rock. Thank you so much.
Thank you. This was so fun. I appreciate you being here. If you'll hang on for me, I'm going to end the live stream now. But I want to say thank you to everybody who watched. If you shared this out, there's extra bonus points for you somewhere. So um, thank you. And we'll see you guys later. Thanks so much, Alexa. Thank you.